I, I believe it's virtually impossible to walk out your life as a Christian without the Holy Spirit, or the Bible is very misleading. And so you begin to see over and over what, what the Father and Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been discussing that, and I believe it's, it's just to stir us back up on the inside. And I believe this is a, a divine appointment day for every one of us to, to begin to get the things of the Holy Spirit back in our lives. John chapter 7, verse 37, and, and the subtitle of this part right here is The Promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said on that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now this is quite an invitation that Jesus gave to us. He said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And so that invitation there becomes my choice. It becomes your choice. And the only prerequisite that you see there is Jesus said, if any of you come to me, let him thirst. And so I believe this morning that, that we're going to talk just a little bit about what do we thirst for? What do we thirst for spiritually? He goes on to say, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, out of inside, will flow the rivers of living water. The Amplified says, a continuous flow of what? of rivers of living water on the inside of the heart. Now, sometimes you could read this and you could say, what are you talking about, Jesus? What are you referring here to? Well, he answers that in verse 39, and he says, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. So right there he tells us, those believing in Jesus, that's salvation. That's the only way you're going to get born again is to give your heart to Jesus. He said, those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now what he's talking about here is in Acts 1 verses 9 to 11, Jesus gave the, the command to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. That's where he's at right now, at the right hand of the Father. Now, when you begin to look at, at the ascension that he's talking about, always in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was around. You would read where the Holy Spirit would come upon men and women in the Old Testament, but he would not remain. Now, in John 1.32, it says that the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus and he remained. He remained. This was the first time this happened to any man. And when you study Jesus' life, specifically Acts 10.38, it said how Jesus of Nazareth, who was anointed with the Holy Spirit, went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed and sick. So Jesus himself was anointed with the Holy Spirit. But he's telling me and you something right here. He's saying that same Holy Spirit that was upon him will come on the inside of us, and it will cause us to live a life with these living water on the inside. Now, any time in the Bible that it talks about water, usually is a metaphor for the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And in, in the earth, think about this. In the earth, when there's no water, there's no humans, there's no life to humans, there's no animals, there's no vegetation. Now, even right here in the earth, remember the Holy Spirit in 1 John 5, we were told He bears witness in heaven, and He bears witness in earth. 
I believe this, guys, without the Holy Spirit in our li- uh, without Him in our life, we're not going to live to the fullness of life. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says that the Spirit gives life. That the Spirit gives life. So I think, guys, when we begin to see this, we must ask ourselves, what am I thirsty for? What am I thirsty for spiritually? Is there any zeal in me? Is there any passion in me? Is there any fervor in me for the things of God? Because if there's not, it's probably a lack of your thirst for the things of heaven. It's your lack of thirst for the kingdom of God. Go with me back into Revelations chapter 21. Revelations 21. See, without the Holy Spirit, we're dry. And I I look at this and I think, how many believers are dry right now? You know, we we just go through the motion of church. We just play the games. And many times I believe that we're dry and it's been that way for so long in our lives that this has become the normal. That we think we just go through the motions without the Holy Spirit, but I don't believe that's true. I believe He's wanting to do something on the inside of us, birth something, those rivers of living water. That fountain of life. So I ask you today, what are you thirsty for? What are you thirsty for? Revelations 21, verse 5. Then who he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the A to Z. I am the beginning, the start, and the end, the conclusion. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Now this is what the Lord said right here. I will give of the fountain of the water. The water. Not just some form of water, but the water. This this is the water. There's no other water. And the message says, I will give freely to the thirsty. Now think about this in the natural. How many times in your life, in the physical, have you really, really, really been thirsty? I mean, it may have happened recently, you know, you've been working out and you're really, really, really thirsty. I I remember times in my life where I would get so thirsty that if you've ever been real close to becoming dehydrated, in my body when I get that way, I feel like throwing up. I become very nauseous. And as I begin to think of that, and I know that may not be a pleasant thought to some of you this morning, the throwing up, but it's an analogy I want to use here. But I think about this spiritually. When I don't have this water that he's talking about, remember in Revelations 3, Jesus said this, that those who are lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. And I begin to think about this. Is this because of lack of, for a thirst for the things of God in my life? I believe so. Now turn over a page to Revelations 22. Revelations 22, verse 13. Once again, Jesus says this. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last. Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. Now he's talking about there, the right to the tree of the life is the fruit of righteousness. That's found there in Proverbs 11.30 where he referenced that too. He goes on to say this next, and they may enter through the gates into his city. And what he's talking about there is back in Revelations 21 when he says, are your names written in the Lamb book of life? This is what he's getting to right here. Verse 15, but he says, but outside... 
are dogs. Are dogs. Now what he's referring to here is dogs. As many, many times the Jews would look at Gentiles as dogs. Jesus even referenced the one woman like a dog. And so this is who he's talking. Outside are dogs and murderers or sorcerers, those who practice magic, witchcraft, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, whoever loves and practices a lie, falsehood, deception, or you live a lie. Those are the ones on the outside. Now look what he says in verse 17, or verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root, the source, and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the Holy Spirit and the bride, which is the church, say, come. Now, who are they addressing come to? They're addressing those ones that are still on the outside. So the Holy Spirit is saying, come. The church should be saying, come. And he said, and let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Now, what was the, the prerequisite? That I come. And if you'll notice right there, he said, for us to take of him. I believe it's a bold statement that we just come out and begin to say, okay, I'm going to take of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take of this water. And I'm going to begin to live with it. And I'm going to begin to expect the things of the Holy Spirit to come into my life. Everything that Father God said, he said, he'll be your helper. He said he'll show you things to come. He'll lead you into truth. He'll empower you. This is what this, this living water is talking about. But once again, he said, freely I'll give him. To who? Those who thirst. So what are you thirsty for today? See, mankind, we have two great dilemmas. Number one, what can I do about my past sin, my past shame, my past guilt, even my conscience. What can I do about that? Well, the only thing that can take care of that is Jesus. His blood is the only thing that can cause the remission of sins. So, Father God took care of that in our lives. Our next great dilemma as human beings, once I get saved and I give my heart to Jesus, what can I do to keep myself from repeating those old same sins? You know what the answer was to that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Look with me the book of Galatians chapter 3 this morning. Galatians chapter 3. And as you're turning there, you know, all, all merit is in the Son, and all power is in the Holy Spirit. And, and just as there is no solution to salvation without the Lord Jesus, there's no real living without the Holy Spirit. There's really no written, true witness without the Holy Spirit. Now, this morning, if you have any sense of discontentment in you, it's probably because you're thirsty for the things of the Spirit. Here lately, I've been, I've been battling some areas in my life where I feel discontent at times. And the Lord said it's because you, you lack a thirst for the things of the kingdom. You know, I, I remember when I was in high school, and that's been a few moons ago, but we were at football practice, and it was in two days, right here about this time of the year. And back then, you, you may remember this, if you had a coach, that they thought a form of getting you into shape was to withhold water from you. Some of you remember that. I mean, we, we hardly ever got a water break. 
And I remember one day at practice, it was really, really hot. And I'm telling you, I was so thirsty. And they had had the sprinklers on the night before. And so every now and then on the field, there were little water puddles on the field. And I was so thirsty that I remember this to this day. I took my helmet off and I leaned down there and with my hand, I began to scoop that water up off the ground and drink it. And I think, in the natural, I was so thirsty for a drink. But am I ever that way in the spirit realm? Do I ever really thirst for the things of God? Because really, even what I said a minute ago, I believe our discontentment in life comes from being thirsty. We try everything in our own abilities to enjoy the journey, but without the Holy Spirit, there is no true life. We look to entertainment, that'll make you happy for how long? About two hours. It's what happens when you go to a movie. I'm not against that. What happens, you go to a football game, it gives you a chance to be content. Why? You forget all the world's problems for a little bit, but guess what? After those forms of entertainment or the things we've done, there's life again. The only true source of happiness is when we begin to live by the Spirit of God. Now here we are, Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish, silly, or thoughtless Galatians, who has bewitched you or cast a spell upon you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This I only want to learn from you, this one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish or senseless Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by your flesh? And so he's telling us here, you didn't earn salvation by your good works. You can't earn salvation. Anything in the kingdom of God, our human effort is inadequate. And so he's telling us here, the same way that you get born again by faith is the same way you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. But if you think you can earn the things of the kingdom of God, you'll never That's what happened in the Old Testament. The Jews had so many laws that they couldn't fill them. So you know what Father God said? i got to create for a Savior. That's why Jesus came and and He fulfilled the New Testament for us. You know, I laugh when people say, well, I'm going to live like the Jews. Well, you know what that means? You're going to have to obey literally hundreds of laws that you can't do. And so that's why Zechariah prophesied in Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by might, nor by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. Ever arena of my life. Verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was vain, it was useless or without purpose. You know what he's telling us there? It's not about what I can do. It's about what Father God can do through the Holy Spirit in us and what we allow Him to do. What we allow Him to do. He goes on to say, Therefore, He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So we ask us this question again, once again, guys. Everything in the New Testament is received by faith. Salvation. The remission of sins. I mean, you can't come in here and do a hundred Hail Marys and think Jesus is going to forgive you. How do I receive forgiveness? 
I confess my sin and I repent, and then I believe in my heart that the Word of God is moving, that His mercy and His grace are active in me. So right here, He's, he's pointing this out to us. Everything within the Spirit, you're going to have to do it by faith. That's a good thing. But here's life's rhythms for most of us as human beings. Without the Holy Spirit, we make promises. We break them. We repent. We make more vows and more promises. And guess what we do? We repeat the process. We break them and we repent. And we make more and more. See, this is where the Holy Spirit must come in. He must come in into my heart. Now, I'm going to say something here. If you're going to write anything down today, this may be something you want to write down. My discipline fails me, and my knowledge fools me. My discipline fails me. You know, you may think you're the most disciplined person in the world. You may have come out of a very structured back. Maybe you were in the military, and you said, man, I, I am a disciplined person. I'm going to tell you right now, it'll fail you. And our knowledge, we have so much uh, a view of education. And I'm not against education. You think education's expensive, you ought to try ignorance. I'm not against education, but anytime we start thinking we can figure everything out in our, our own abilities, our own intellect, it's going to fool you. It's going to fool you. What am I getting to here once again? God's design for each one of us, and He said this throughout the Old Testament, I'm going to come on the inside of you. And I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Nothing weird, nothing crazy. And He's going to start helping you. He's going to start assisting you if you'll let Him. If you'll allow Him. If you'll welcome Him. Now, I want to jump in that same chapter. Jump to verse number 13. Galatians 3, 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, meaning poverty, sickness, and death, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So what Jesus did on that cross... It broke the curse over each one of us. How do I receive? Man, I receive that by faith. But Jesus didn't stop there. Look in verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles who are in Christ Jesus. So Jesus died for our salvation. He died for our sins. He died for me and you. That the blessings of Abraham may come upon us. That's Genesis 12, 1 and 2. You can find out what those are. But he didn't quit there. Look what else he died for. And that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, many times we look at all the, the remission of sins. We look at all the blessings. But he even listed the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, just for a second here, think about that. There was a huge price that was paid for me and you salvation. Somebody died for us. His blood was shed. The most terrific death you could die. But think about this. He paid that price not only for my salvation, but He paid that price so I would be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is important that we understand this. And so let me ask you. Since you've been born again, is there much difference in the way you lived before you got born again? 
Do you see any difference? If you had to give yourself a thermometer reading spiritually, would you say, I'm lukewarm? And not only am I lukewarm, am I, am I comfortable being lukewarm? I see so many Christians that we just come to church and we think this is just the Sunday thing, but I don't believe He meant for it to be a Sunday thing. I believe it's something that happened every day in our life, that we ought to be gravitating toward God on Monday. And I don't want to live lukewarm. So Jesus promised this. He said the Holy Spirit is a gift. Acts 2.38, Acts 8.20, Acts 10.45, Acts 11.17. Every one of them says the Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift to keep me from live, or to, to help me to live differently than when I got born again. How many of us get born again and our attitudes never change? Our actions never change. Our behaviors, our lifestyles never change. See, I don't believe that was God's design. I don't believe that Jesus wanted that either. And so, not only did He take care of our past sins, He says, listen, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look in the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Ooh, once again, it comes down to what are you thirsty for? Are you thirsty for the things of God? And when I talk about the Holy Spirit, guys, I'm not talking about something that's fabricated by man. I've seen that. Many of you have seen that. I'm not talking about that. I mean, when it's the Holy Spirit, He comes on the inside of me and He begins to do a work. And I'm not talking about when we, we look at the Holy Spirit many times, we view Him as, as an emotional fix. The Holy Spirit's not an emotional fix. Sometimes we've treated the Holy Spirit like, and this is just an analogy, uh, like a joint. Let's just come in and let's just get high on the Holy Spirit and then let's go back home and let's just live life like we always have. That's not the Holy Spirit that I read about. When I study the Holy Spirit, I see Him coming on the inside of these disciples, these apostles like Peter who had a problem with their mouth, who had a problem with their behavior, and all of a sudden, something began to take place. And I believe this is what should happen for every one of us. I mean, if you come to church here very long, you, you know my past. Or at least I hope you do by now, as many times I talk about it. But I had huge bondage in my life. All the junk that had I'd gathered through, through everyday living and all the things I'd opened up to uh, as far as sin in my own life. And I give my, my, my heart to Jesus and I remember the day I did. I knew something had happened on the inside of me. But as I began to walk out this journey called salvation, I knew immediately there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Even before I got saved, how many of you remember when you thought there's got to be more to life? There's got to be more to, to that than to getting drunk and to getting high. There's got to be more. I remember those days. And I came to a conclusion in my life. If I don't have a big change in my life, I'm either going to be dead or I'm going to experience a, the rest of my life in prison. And I get born again. But I keep repeating those same sins. I'm still doing the things. Remember when the Apostle Paul said, the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. That was me. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Nothing weird, nothing flaky. 
I didn't develop angel wings and start floating through life. Just some of the things we hear about the Holy Spirit, I think that's not Him. But something on the inside began to change. And in my walk with God now for 30 plus years, there's times in my life where, where I feel inadequate. I feel like there's got to be more, there's got to be more. And every time I get in that, in, in that state in my life, you know what it is? It's a lack of thirst for the Holy Spirit on my part that I quit hanging out with Him. Listen to this here in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 46. Then Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Now this was Jesus, and He said, Listen guys, it was necessary that I died that crucifixion. And it was necessary that I rose from the dead. Look what he goes on to say. And that repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. How many of you believe we should still preach repentance and the remission of sins? You know what that is? That's salvation. Every one of us in here are going to agree. We should be doing that. If we're not doing that, we're missing the first call of what Jesus told us to do. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We should be doing that. That should be our number one priority. But he didn't quit there. Look what he goes on to say. Verse 48. And you are witnesses of these things. And you are witnesses of these things. That verse is cross-referenced into Acts 1.8. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power. So that you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. So he's telling us here, I want you to witness of these things. But you're not going to be able to do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Effectively. And he doesn't stop there. Verse 49, Jesus' words, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now notice there, who wrote that? Who said that? Who's, Jesus said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. In other words, you got to have this. This is the ticket right here to your walk spiritually. And right there, that word endued with power from on high, one translation says to be enabled. Another says to be equipped. Though favorite ones are mine is in the Amplified, the New American Standard, and the New International Version. You know what it says? That you be clothed with power from on high. That you be clothed with power from on high. Now whatever you're clothed with, that was a choice today. Not one of you with what you got on today, it jumped out of the closet and jumped on you and said, wear me, wear me, wear me. You chose to wear that. You chose those color of socks you have on. You chose to wear that. Even those underwear. Unless you went commando today. That's to those young boys I'm looking at. I'm just kidding. But anything we put on, guys, it becomes a choice. 
Now think about this. You wore certain things to church today. You picked that up. You clothed yourself with that. Tomorrow you guys will go to work. Some of you, you will not leave home without your steel-toed work boots on. You clothe yourself with that. Some of you will not go to work without your expensive work gloves. Some of you won't go to work tomorrow without your, your eye protection. Some of you will go to work tomorrow with a tie. Some, see, you begin to think about all the things throughout your work week. But when we get up tomorrow and go to work, do we choose to put on the assistance of the Holy Spirit? He wasn't designed just to be a Sunday morning. Do, 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 do. He was designed to help us every day. But it only happens when I begin to say, Oh, I thirst for you. I need you today. And it's incredible what happens when I get up on Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, every day of the week, and I say, oh, Holy Spirit, come on the inside of me and help me today. Think through me today. Help me in my decision making. And it's, it's, it's wonderful when I begin to sense, not only in that arena, but I've clothed myself with Him, and He helps me walk out the very things that have become issues in my life. Remember in, in uh, Romans 8, 24, 8, 34, 8, 24, 8, 26. Right in Romans 8, 26. That the Lord said, He will help you in your weaknesses. When's the last time you asked Him? Oh, Holy Spirit, endue me with power today to help me with my weaknesses. See, I put that on for years. I put that on for years. And because of the love of God and because of salvation of Jesus Christ and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, I walk free to this day. He's there to assist us. Let me ask you something this morning. Does your prayer life seem non-existent? Is there, is there little testimony of life-changing power in you? Does victory seem absent? Do the, do the things of God in your life and even church, do they seem stale? Do they seem boring? Do they seem like there's no purpose? Because if that's how it is, it's probably something within you that's crying out, I'm thirsty. And you've tried to quench that from every other thing in the world except what Jesus said. Be endued with power from on high. And when I really, really begin to seek the Holy Spirit, it changes the way I pray. I come in with a passion, with a purpose. I come in with that James 5 anointing. What's that? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man shall avail much. Where I come in and prayer has become a, a passion. It becomes wonderful. It becomes exciting. Even the Word. Do you hunger for the Word of God? See, many times I believe this is because the lack of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And once again, I make that my choice. Are you thirsty today? What are you thirsty for? Just stand up with me here this morning.